the latest on the world game on Sport 24-7. This is 442 Insider. Hello and welcome again to 442 Insider. This is where we take the opportunity to visit the offices of one of the best football magazines in the world, 442, and get the inside information and up-to-date stories from you, our listeners, and for the readers for right around Australia, and for that matter, right around the world. After all, football is the only real-world game. I'm Colin Turner, and joining me today at the offices of 442 is the editor-in-chief, Paul Hansford, the deputy editor, Trevor Trahane, and the chief writer, Adrian Ormond. Today's program, we're going to take a look at some interesting local issues in Australia, like the proposed visit of Premier League side, Fulham, the decision of former Manchester United, Chelsea and Aston Villa goalkeeper, Mark Bosnich, to make a comeback in Australia, and big news from the west of the country, where Perk Glory are bringing in new faces. Paul Hansford, what a menu. Let's start with the, I suppose, the best story of all, Fulham going to come, and maybe others going to visit Australia. Yeah, it seems as though uh, all the English teams want to be coming over here and uh, playing the, the A-League teams. I think it's uh, something to do with um, the pre-season cup being uh, being scrapped, right. and I think they're looking to try and get some marquee teams over. And uh, I think Fulham and Wolves have, uh, have confirmed that they're going to be coming over. I know Fulham are actually locked in. The, the Wolves ones might still be up in the air. But, yeah, they're, they're playing the Gold Coast United on July 9th. Then they uh, play Melbourne Victory on the 11th. And then Perth Glory on the 15th. So yeah. be a With most, most of the teams uh, that travel around the world at that time of year, there's always sort of guarantees. So I suppose one of the guarantees for Fulham would be that Schwarzer would play. Yeah, I, I would think so. I mean, I think that that's the... That, that might have been the tipping point to getting Fulham over. Um, I think uh, Shorts will, will relish playing in front of uh, not his hometown, but you know home fans around the country and uh, using the Gold Coast as a base. I think they'll, they'll have a lot of fun and, and enjoy themselves at the same time. Trevor, you were on the Gold Coast interviewing all the people up there. How are they going to react to a, a visit from Fulham? I think they'll be pretty excited about that. <laughs> already sort of billing themselves as a glamour club so they need a few right. glamour fixtures there's also talk I don't know if it's confirmed yet that Barcelona might come out is that right they might play Sydney or might play Melbourne I mean that's a proper glamour game to get a yeah, to see the, the one thing I suppose Aidan that, that is a little bit uh, sort of off the cuff is the uh, problem of no game in Sydney for some of these teams why? Well, uh, you'd have to speak to the promoter for that, but um, look, I think I think it's, it, it's really exciting times because uh, I think the last four seasons of the preseason cup have been pretty dull, mm. to be honest. Mm. Mm-hmm. And it harks back to a time back 20, 25 years ago when English teams were tour here all the time. I, I saw Spurs play Sunderland. Um, you get so many club teams coming over, mm. which is fantastic. So uh, I say, bring it on. You see, like I, harking back to twenty five years ago. I love harking back. See, see I've, I've been lucky because. Because I've been up in Asia and I've seen, for instance, in the last couple of years, I've seen teams like Manchester United come out and play AC Milan yeah. and play Juventus in, in Hong Kong. Uh, you know, it's great when you have four teams like that or three teams come out and they then take on a local side. That's right. And I think we should try and, and look for something yeah, like th- that here. I think the fans have been starved of top quality yeah. football. And, and you, you go back to like maybe when the Socceroos played Argentina, when Argentina came over and 
you know, that really kind of set the ball rolling as, as, as Australia being a venue that people would actually be willing to come to now, you mm. know, under the new regime. I know Aidan said, you know, 25 years ago that they were coming yeah. over quite consistently. Uh, but, you know, it, it seems as though, you know, this is a natural progression, getting the, the big... Pr- you know, international friendlies, and now it seems yeah. as though the A-League clubs are, are pushing for it as well and getting some some big teams. And uh, it's interesting, Wolverhampton Wanderers coming out with Mick McCarty. You know, they've just been promoted, so that's a that's a big boost, not alone for for Australia, but for them as well. For Wolverhampton, yeah, we to might be, on be tour. might be stretching the glamour club thing a bit far with Wolverhampton yeah. Wanderers, but um, look, I think it's it's all good stuff, isn't it? Quality yeah. teams coming over gets but, a bit of publicity, particularly as the, you'll have a double header, I think, in Perth with. Fury playing Wolves and then and then Fulham playing yeah. uh, Perth Glory, which should be a very interesting night. Um, exactly. And obviously, they think that they can make money off these tours. Otherwise, they wouldn't bring them over, mm. which says a lot about the A League these days. And and it costs a lot of money for these teams to go on tour because they have to be given guarantees, don't they, Trev? Yeah, I mean it's good holiday as well, though, isn't it? If I was looking at locations of, of where I play a bit of football mm. close season, Australia, so much in common between the countries, you, you're not going to turn it down. Exactly. All right, let's turn to a, another uh, headline that I, I read out. Mark Bosnich. Now, I think uh, sitting around the table, uh, I think we all like Mark Bosnich. Um, he was a great goalkeeper, unfortunately fell off the, the track or fell off the, the wheels, but got back on the track again and um, now back in, in action, Aidan. Mm, yeah, look, we, we, we're led to believe that today there'll be an official announcement. We broke the story, uh, I think, Sunday night that uh, he signed with New South Wales Premier League club Sydney Olympic right. for a, a short stint uh, to keep, the, keep him fit ahead of the new A-League season. He obviously wants a contract in the A-League. Whether or not he'll be in the A-League next season or perhaps somewhere else we're not sure it is an absolutely massive thing for the New South Wales Premier League uh, sure. I've been to games this year where you've where I've seen basically 100 maybe 200 fans at the games and, and I think this weekend when when Sutherland Sharks turn up to Belmore Stadium to play the uh, Olympic uh, with Bozzer in the side hopefully <laughs> um, I'm expecting more than a couple of hundred fans at that game and uh, it'll be very interesting to see how Premier League players react to having somebody like Bozzer right. there certainly um you know his style of play, which is very, very combative and yeah. very, very authoritative, is uh, is very interesting because it's 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 a it's a semi-professional level. Yeah, he, he, he you know he's he's a very good goalkeeper, but I think what what a lot of people don't realise, and, and I saw it when he was playing with the Central Coast, how he was screaming at the defenders mm-hmm. and like a young defender was in the team and he was saying, he's shouting at him like, okay, I used the word screaming, but he's, he's shouting at him, keep him on the outside keep him on the outside and he's telling the full back his defender to keep the winger on the outside because he can't do any damage if you keep running up and down the line so that's another thing that uh, Bosler can add yeah to. the experience that he yeah. can bring that, that you know like that having another and the coach. aura as well yeah, yeah. and, yeah. The, and the, having a coach on the pitch like that exactly for, especially for those guys playing at that level just below the A-League yeah. um, will be invaluable and you know people there'll be a queue lining up to try and swap shirts with him at the end and you know I think mm. everyone will enjoy it and as Aidan said I think the key is is getting people down to the games experiencing a different kind of game people who wouldn't normally go to yeah. to those kind of matches would be fantastic the, the, the other thing just talking of goalkeepers and digressing a little bit uh, the same thing with Schwarz at Fulham uh, he has actually got the defence playing for him and minding his goal and he's doing that through words Trevor I think goalkeepers have got one of the best views of the game they can yeah. see everything they can see their team going forward they can see the attacks coming at them 
about them. So if you've got an experienced goalkeeper, that's often why goalkeepers hit their peak so much later in their careers. Mm. Um, and he's going to be ideal for, for playing that role there. I mean, it says long-term deal. Have we got any idea how long he'll be there? I, I understand it'll be a 10-game deal, which would see him basically up to the start of the new A-League season, or roughly. Um, and uh, it's, it's, it's just a short-term deal, so it's, it's not like he's going to play there uh, in the future. It's just to keep him fit. Uh, just by and by, have you, have you seen him work on television? Um, he's uh, working on uh, Fox television. He's very good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, 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 he's a great pundit. Yeah. But, you know, when you've been around the block, yeah. and uh, when I yeah. say that, I mean in football terms, <laughs> we, all know, uh, we all know the other stuff. Gosh, but, you yeah. know, when you've been around the block like, and you've yeah. had in so many great games, mm. you can do that kind of stuff in his sleep, you know, and he's, yeah, right. and he's you know, eloquent and he, you know, he's got an opinion mm. on everything. And uh, I just think it would be strange that not, you know, with, with now uh, 10 clubs in the A-League, that not one club yeah. will need someone of Bosnich's calibre. No disrespect to the goalkeepers playing mm. at the moment, yeah. but you'd think one, you'd think a professional team in Australia would need yeah. someone like Bosnich, even just even as a third room. keeper, just to keep the the, the, yeah. the the team going and keep things as a, an advisor almost at times. Yeah. yeah, and that's one of the things that surprises me yeah. that Sydney Sydney FC didn't pick him up and say, "Come in, um, you know, you might get a game, but you can coach. Uh, you could play with if we have a reserve game or something like that." But use his knowledge. Yeah. I mean, look at Central Coast in this ACL. I mean, how have they missed having a buzzer at the at the back of their defence? Yeah. I mean, really. Mm. I don't know whether it's a respect issue. I think everyone knows Mark wants to play first team football. Yeah. And I think maybe the teams have so much respect for him that they're like, right, well, look, come and train with us. Fine. Mm. You know, play play when you want to in the you know not reserves but in training matches. But you know, we can't offer you a first team place, so we respect you enough that we won't you know keep you mm. as a third keeper. Or second keeper that was quite a sad sight when it was his last game when he done that short stint with the Mariners and it was his last game and Vukovic was back and Bozza had to just sit on the bench and you yeah. know the camera panned to him and like you say you, you don't really want to see someone like that sitting on the bench at his age yeah, yeah. exactly alright we'll, we, uh, coming up to a break we'll take a break here but I do want to come back and, and talk about uh, the people in the west because we, we mustn't forget that they are part of this country in, uh, in Perth and West Australia I want to talk about uh, them bringing a couple of new players in we'll do that in a moment Hi, it's Joel Helms here with a reminder about Extra Time. On Extra Time, I join Colin Turner in the studio to discuss the world of sport. We give our opinions on every element of sport, from the worst sports going around to ideas on how different sports can be improved, like underarm serving in tennis. And do we really need synchronised swimming? It's sometimes very controversial, but always a lot of fun, and you can have your say too. Extra Time is on the air from 9.30am Eastern Standard Time, Monday to Thursday, on Sport 24-7. Don't miss the new issue of 442. Australia's number one football magazine. This month, we chat exclusively with Mark Schwarzer, Australia's first choice keeper about life at Fulham and why he's not taking World Cup qualification for granted. We go one-on-one with Socceroos assistant coach Graham Arnold in a remarkably candid interview about where we came up short at the Asian Cup and the Olympics and we ask overseas fans what they think of their Aussie players. Exclusive interviews with Kaka, Arshavan and a look into Boca Juniors youth system rounds off another issue no football fans should be without. On sale at all good news agents or head to au.442.com to subscribe and to get it delivered to your door. If it's in the game, it's in 442. The latest on the world game on Sport 24-7. This is 442 Insider.
Okay, welcome back. We're inside 442 discussing the topics of the week. And uh, let's go back and, uh, and continue our discussion on uh, things happening in Australia. Um, Pert Glory um, going into the market and bringing in a couple of uh, new players. And that's interesting that Mitch is out in the marketplace already. Yeah, I think they. Uh, I think they really need to push this season. They need a spark or something to try and harness. Uh, obviously, what is a, a club steeped in tradition? Mm. They need some kind of spark from somewhere, whether it's players or a, or a good start to the season. And uh, yeah, Mitch is he's working hard on his recruitment. There's talk of uh, Jacob Burns and, and also the uh, Brazilian Danielson. So yeah, they're, they're they're actively out there now looking right. to to try and add to that. You squad. you were chasing that story, Aiden, weren't you, with yeah. the, the South American yeah. connection? Yeah, look, there's, there's the Danielson link, uh, which has been there for about the last 10 days. They actually have made an offer to the former Brazilian World Cup player. Um, and uh, there's been talk of Recoba as well. This is all coming from Tony Sage, the, the club's new owner, who, who is really right. driving this kind of uh, reinvention of the club. Um, and so that's where it's all coming from. Uh, there's also talk of, obviously Burns, I believe, has signed, but there's talk of Stajowski as well who both played for Mitchell in previous years right. in the NSL. Um, will, will the side be successful this year? Well, it's too early to tell, but I, I like the early signs, certainly, because it's saying that we want to do something in this league. Right. We Bar- just don't want to sit back and just let it all go past us. Barnes is a very, very good midfield and a, and a good defender as well, so basically he has, he has someone there to anchor the, the defence if Barnes plays in front of the back four or something like that, and then having, as you say, go for Rakoba and go over someone else like that. He, he left Sparks. Yeah, but he's got Troy as well over there as well. Mm. Um, it's a similar type of player, but uh, I think I'm really looking forward to seeing uh, somebody like Eugene Darty play again next season with somebody like a Danielson or a Rakoba yeah, if right. they do come yeah. in. It'll be terrific, terrific to watch. Yeah. And about time as well. Exactly. So, yeah, they, they need to lift over there because they have a fanatical crowd um, when they're playing well. And, mm. you know, go back a couple of years, they used to get magnificent crowds there. Mm. In the last year, it's dwindled off. So we wish uh, Big Mitch the best of luck. Trevor, I want to talk to you about the um, the new curriculum, the FFA curriculum, because you went to that uh, that uh, seminar. What was that like? Yeah, there was, there was a media briefing last week from the FFA, and it was the new national football curriculum. And it was quite a long two-hour briefing, 83-slide in-depth thing, but it had so much interesting stuff in there. Um, I can only really skim the surface. Um, you know, the basic long-term plan, and this is what it is, it is a long-term plan. It's to strive for the Socceroos to be one of the top 10 teams in the world by 2020. That's the aim. Top 10 teams in the world. Yeah, I mean, it's... I think Paul, you have to, Paul yeah. is frowning over there. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's mainly sort of talking about what they're going to do at, you know, grassroots level and at youth level and, and what have you. And, and Hamburger was telling this um, interesting story about when he was going to a, a Mariners, a, an ACL Mariners game recently, and it, it's quite a familiar tale, really. He said he was walking to the game and um, to, to his right, you know, right next to the ground, he saw some young lads, like 15, 16-year-old lads training. He could see that they were training and they were fit and they were running and they were quick and what have you but he was watching them and he didn't know what sport they were training for so he went across and asked them so you know what are you guys doing and it was football it was soccer and um, he couldn't believe that you know there was no goals in sight there was no balls in sight they were just working on their pure fitness and he said that illustrated 
the problem with so much Australian football and so much young Australian players mm. that all the way through their development, you know, they're getting fit and they're getting quick and stuff. And he said, it's all very well a 15-year-old being quick, but if he's running in the wrong direction, it doesn't matter how quick he is. Yeah. So the new curriculum's going to correct stuff like that. And he's, he was basically saying from the age of seven and eight up to 18, it's all going to be ball work. It's all going to be technique. It's not going to be about fitness because you mm. can get that fitness when you get to 18. You can condition the players. You need to have that technical ability first. Yeah. So it's all kind of stuff like that. And other things come up. There's a stuff about the new four, um, four three three formation that all young right. players are going to be trained to play within this formation because he thinks that that's the most easily adapted to switch to other switch, stuff. I mean, right. I don't know what everyone thinks about yeah. teaching young lads in one position. It seems a bit bizarre. I, I, I think it's it's a bit difficult. But just to go back to to what you said earlier about the training, the guys and no ball in sight. And um, I always remember a coach turning around and having a situation like that. And he said, when I took over the club, he said they were all marathon runners. But when we showed them the ball, they nearly got a fright because they'd never seen a ball. So you know they could run a marathon, but couldn't play with the ball. No skill. Yeah, I was I was down my local park a, a couple of weeks ago and just watching a bunch of kids training and there was a whole lot of balls about 10 of them to one side and I was just waiting for the coach to sort of get the balls out and it just one after the other of just fitness for little young yeah. kids yeah. you just think to yourself I was ready to strangle the guy mm. yeah, I mean it's just it's just ridiculous I'm, I think it's a great idea yeah. that we're, we're it's been driven by the FFA as well mm-hmm. that young coaches or, or you know grassroots coaches must use the ball I can't believe that it's taken this long to figure it out yeah mm. exactly I mean I've got no story of watching young kids in the park um, but um, <laughs> No, I think it's. I, I think it's great. Well, my nephew there. was there as yeah. well. By the way, I just right. think I just think it's great that yeah. uh, they're looking at this plan, and, and I know that you, yeah. you know you've got to be a bit sceptical when you think that they're going to be a top ten team by twenty twenty. Yeah. But look, I think it's you've got to aim that high. You've, you've got to have a plan like that. There's no use just saying, "Oh, look, we want to make the the group stages of the World Cup every year." People aren't going to accept that. So you, you've got to aim high, and and, and it yeah, seems it, as though they're working on the right things yeah, uh, but if know. they said to me top 15 top 20 then I, I might uh, sort of say yes but top 10 a bit a uh, bit uh, difficult I think you've 10. got to aim high you've always mm. got to aim high if they don't make it you've got to aim high. All right, let, let's uh, switch from uh, local to uh, international football. Champions League semi-finals. Um, what did you think of the uh, semi-finals? Uh, the first game, uh, Arsenal, Manchester United, and then uh, Chelsea and Barca. Yeah, I mean... Arsenal made uh, Ricky Hatton start look uh, competent, <laughs> didn't they? Really? I mean, yeah. that one was over. Good one. That one was over before, in 11 minutes. Yeah. I mean, uh, poor, poor Gibbs. Yeah. I mean, not not the kind of game that you introduction. I mean, I know he's played a couple of Champions League games, but he's only 19 years old. He's only had a you know like mm. a dozen or so performances for Arsenal, and for that to happen to a youngster uh, to slip over and allow that first goal, and and then but now those free kicks. Sorry, Paul, for interrupting. But but you'd have to ask you know, a question about Arsene Wenger putting a 19-year-old in. OK, he, he, you have a look around and who, who else did he have? But putting a 19-year-old into the most important game of the Arsenal season, if not for the last two seasons, there's £40 million resting on the result of that game. And he puts a 19-year-old kid in there. I just... But I just don't think that. he had any other options to, to play. And, and Gibbs had played the first leg and... 
they'd attacked down that side quite yeah. a lot and, and only got one goal to show for it at, at Old Trafford. So, um, look, you can't legislate for someone slipping over in the box. It was just a shame. You just, I mean, you, you hope that he can learn from it and, and come on, you know, stronger. But again, you, you, you can't do anything about Ronaldo's free kick. That second oh, no. one was just uh, fantastic. Goalkeeping foul, Trevor? Yeah, near post, I think keepers should really get beaten. But Ronaldo hits it so hard, it's very difficult to judge. One thing I was thinking when I was watching that game, and particularly when Manu scored that third goal where they broke away and they linked up, I genuinely thought at that point, this is the best Manu team I think I've ever seen. And I started comparing them to, you know, last season when they won it or mm. the, when they won the treble. And I thought it's going to throw it out to the pod because, well, there's no nice way to say it. Everyone's a little bit older than me. So they might remember some um, older Manchester United teams that were better. But in, in my memory, especially if they win in Rome, mm. I think this is the best Manu team. So I, th- okay. I think right now, I mean, yeah. I, th- I think maybe four or five months ago, maybe not, but I think right now, mm. I was yeah. thinking about that the other day as well. You know, how does it compare to... You know, the 99 team, for example, I think it's probably better. Okay, so so. Manchester United win because, as as Paul says, they got a present. They got a a Ricky Hatton-type present in the first 11 minutes, two soft goals. What about um, the Barca Barca victory against uh, Chelsea, Paul? Yeah, look, that was... uh, It was pretty snoozesome for uh, for the for the middle after Essien scored what looked like a Tony Tony Yeboah uh, against yeah. Le- uh, against Wimbledon lookalike goal which was absolutely fantastic I just sat there and thought oh we've got to watch 70 minutes of this you know 80 yeah. minutes of you know Chelsea sitting back and and they did do that you know I don't think I've ever yeah. seen I think the stats were something like you know Brasa had 60 65 percent yeah. possession that's right um, but it didn't have a shot on goal and you mm. never see a team have that much possession away from home and uh, near the end with about five ten minutes to go that there still didn't seem to be an urgency about Barcelona there was no long hoofs PK was pushing up and trying to play uh, and, and try and create stuff but you know they weren't pumping the balls into the box they were keeping yeah. the ball on the ground they, were, they had a real aversion to try and get the ball off the ground and then they were down to 10 men in 61 minutes with Abidal sent off yeah. he should never have been sent off the, the ref you, had a shocker I think it was a difficult game to referee but, but um, I certainly think Chelsea should have had one of those one, money, the one, handball. Pen, one penalty the with handball, a handball but there's no way that uh, Abidal should have been sent off because if you look at it in slow motion you will see that Enelka actually falls over his own leg and he yeah, gave, yeah. you know yeah. that was terrible the guy got a yellow a red card for but that but it just it just shows you you know the, the cruel the cruelty of the game sometimes mm. you know Essien scored the fantastic shot but yeah. if you watch the replay he took a swipe at clearing the ball just before the goal you know mm. air shot it yeah. and uh, the ball got uh, hit to Iniesta who finished yeah, fantastically stuck, stuck it in yeah. yeah two two very good games uh, but I suppose we learned a lot from them we learned that the uh, Arsenal have to get a couple of experienced defenders somewhere for the new season yeah I mean, everyone talks about Arsenal missing the likes of Henri and um, Perez and Lundberg and yeah they do to a certain extent but they've got you know some decent new attacking players but it's when you look back at their defence I don't mm. think they've replaced you know obviously that famous Arsenal back four from a few years back but even when they had the likes of Campbell and what have you there yeah. I think he needs I mean Gallas was doing well but he's been injured quite a lot they, yeah they need to go out they need to stop this sort of youth policy which seems to work for the attacking yeah. players and buy an experienced defender what, what do we say about Chelsea 
see what, what, what have they got to do. First of all, I think they got to get rid of Drogba because Drogba is a drama queen. He's an actor falling down on the ground. I, I just think he's terrible. And then to attack the referee the way he did at the end of the game was just terrible. Yeah. But I, what, what do Chelsea cannot play this game of getting a goal like they did in the, in the first game, a nil-nil game. They can pack the defence, bring everyone back to the halfway line. That's not Chelsea. Problem is, it's been effective for them, though, hasn't oh, yeah. it? You know, the, 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 the issue is, is if you take away the Iniesta goal, they're in the Champions League final sure. and completely vindicated for their tactics and the way they played. Hmm. Um, but it's boring. It's boring, but, you know, if you're winning trophies and everyone's happy and uh, on the winner's podium at the end, then uh, I'm sure the fans would be liking it and, and you know, yeah, but Roman the, will be sitting in his uh, yacht. The one thing you things. have to think about, though, Paul, is that, uh, great, Chelsea are sitting back, we just say, just before halftime or maybe after halftime, 10 minutes into the second half, they're, they're playing this game that they played against Barca. They're defending and that's all. They're, and Barca get a goal. Now Chelsea have to switch and go into a different gear to attack. Can, can they do that? Are they flexible enough to do that because of Hiddick's plan of defend, defend, defend? And suddenly, hey, we're, we're, we're level. We've got to get a goal. I think the, the whole gloss would be gone off them by then. Yeah, Martin Tyler said during the game, you know, that they're not all a big bunch of defenders. You know, they can go forward and attack um, when they want to, but uh, it's just a shame they didn't do enough of it in the game. All right, the halftime whistle is going to go. We've got to get some uh, oranges onto uh, onto this uh, playing field. We'll be back in a moment and see what's happening at halftime. Love your football? Catch World Football Watch every Saturday night on Sport 24-7. Hi, I'm Barry Hansen. We'll have all the latest team news, interviews with players and managers who will win the Premiership. Will it be Manchester United, Chelsea, Arsenal, Liverpool or will Martin O'Neill turn it around at Aston Villa and challenge for the trophy? At the other end of the table are West Bromwich Albion doomed. If so, who will join them? Middlesbrough, Newcastle United? Find out Saturday evenings. World Football Watch every Saturday night from 10 Eastern Standard Time on Sport 24-7. Hair removal has always been a slow and expensive process and can sometimes be a quite painful experience. Not anymore. That's all changing with new technology from Magnatech. By touching the E-pen to the hair, it sends a gentle current of energy down the hair to the cell, which permanently and painlessly destroys the hair cell. Hair will never grow back again. The E-pen is perfect for shaping eyebrows and other embarrassing facial hair. For larger areas, use the conductive patches, great for legs, underarms and even bikini line. Unlike electrolysis that can be both painful and expensive and could cause scarring, using the E-pen is totally pain-free. Can you imagine a time when you never have to shave or pluck or wax? Well, you can with the Versio E-Pen. Only $179 plus postage and handling. Here's how to order. Call 1-800-200-109. That's 1-800-200-109. That's 1-800-200-109. Call now. The latest on the world game on Sport 24-7. This is 442 Insider. Okay, the oranges are being distributed at halftime. Uh, you seem to have a juicy orange there, Paul. 
thanks for noticing. I've uh, had it here with me for a few weeks. It's good to see you've seen it. Um, yeah, my one is uh, is an interesting story out of Mexico where uh, a footballer has been banned for spitting at an opponent and then telling him he had swine flu. Uh, in the Libertadores Cup, uh, this is really bad because it's lots of Spanish pronunciations, Guadalajara defender Hector Reynoso um, has been suspended from all matches in the Libertadores Cup. Um, after last week's game at Chile, Everton of Chile, he uh, reacted by spitting at the Everton player Sebastian Penko, and then uh, in quotes in the official release it said, <laughs> then releasing nasal secretions at the face of the player. Wow. And then claiming he had uh, swine, swine flu. So uh, not the kind of thing that no. you know, you'd expect someone from doing, but it would be definitely a, an effective way of getting rid of your marker, wouldn't mm. it, really? Yeah. But but uh, strange, and a lot of things uh, happen in South American football that are strange. What about you, Trev? Um, <clears throat> yeah, as we all know, uh, we might know Ronaldo, but the real Ronaldo, the Brazilian Ronaldo that we yes. all um, liked before the Portuguese one, he's been going great guns in Brazil at Corinthians. He's managed to grab uh, eight goals in 11 matches as they won their state title, but it's not all been good news for him. Because um, Hugh Jackman come to see him at training oh, yeah. and present him with um, with a t-shirt, um, but they went on obviously to win the title, and that didn't go particularly well either. They won the actual title, and as they were handed the title, they went up in a crane, I believe, to to make sure as many people as possible saw it. Right. And then a combination of ticker tape, streamers, and open flares saw the thing um, set on fire. So the tr- they were they were kind of you it's know the trophy the tr- as well. The, the whole trophy was you know on fire, and they had to drop it and lower the crane and get them all out. So wow. not a great combination of things for Ronaldo there. No. Is there any? That must have been a pretty reinforced yeah. crane to get Ronaldo up on it. Yeah. <laughs> but what yeah. sort of T-shirt did he give him? Is there any more information yes. on that, Trevor? Was and it I, and I want to know why does Hugh Jack and go all the way to Brazil to give somebody a T-shirt? I have answers to these questions, except your one, Aidan. But your one, Paul. He got a team jersey bearing the letter X instead of a number because oh, um, yeah. he's plugging his uh, new film X-Men Origins Wolverine which did. I have absolutely no intention of watching at any point in my life but um, yeah that's the reason he's there I mean I, I don't know if he's a he's a football fan or, or what but there you go it strikes me as more as a solemn dance man really than yeah. a football man yeah. Mm. yeah I don't think Ronaldo would be doing, doing too much dancing what about you Ian? oh look it has to be last night's Fox Sports broadcast um, I think in a, in a TV mismatch that rivals Gretel Colleen hosting the Logies um, Kim Ontaliadoris decided to match a grey uh, pinstripe suit with what appeared to be oh, a yeah. um, a tie that uh, I think uh, some of the fashionistas in the Sydney uh, Sydney scene are still uh, recoiling from uh, it appeared to be what you might see in a barber shop with those one of those poles that that's goes right round and round and even Simon Hill uh, made a nice little comment about the, the famous tie last night so I think that will go down in TV history as pro- arguably the worst combination of clothing uh, ever seen uh, it probably rivals the Eddie Krenchevik Joker suit from a few years ago oh yeah yeah <laughs> Eddie Krenchevik dressed yeah. as the Joker I, I, I saw that uh, tie yes. uh, with uh, Kimon uh, sitting beside Melanie McLaughlin yeah and the tie was a shocker yeah even like, in HD it was, it was still as bad and it's yeah. an extraordinary piece of uh, mismatch that uh, the tie, I, the I tie. find that quite ironic coming from the man who's got a, a scalp brush and hair like Leo Sayer today so <laughs> we're just lucky that I thought uh, it was Nicholas Cage 
we're, we're just lucky we're uh, um, we're in the pod and not on TV. All right, so. half half time is over. The whistle will go. We're into the second half. Um, Let's let's take a look at uh, something in in the future. The top must see uh, A League games. Any idea of, or have you had a look at uh, the top five or top four A League yeah. games? W- which ones stand out? We, we've been overcome with excitement um, with the with the new season draw. Um, but look, there looks like with, with the um, with the two additional teams in there now, there seems to be a, a, a must see game every week. But right. we've picked out a few that that really come to mind and, and get us pumped. I like the idea of uh, Queensland Raw against Gold Coast, obviously, on the on the first weekend. That could be a very exciting game. I shouldn't have said Queensland Raw. I should say Brisbane, Brisbane Raw. Brisbane Raw, yeah. Now Change their name, yeah. Officially called now. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, that looks like a, a Queensland derby that could run and run and run. Yeah. It's a shame, really, that Townsville are in the same state. They, they kind of get pushed to the side. But I think the Gold Coast versus Brisbane will, will be a rivalry that people keep an eye on. Mm-hmm. Um, one I also like uh, in round four is Sydney FC against Wellington. Uh, Wellington, oh, yeah, yeah. Wellington always seem to do well. I don't know why. They always mm. seem to come and, and put in a good performance uh, away at Sydney. So a, that's a lot, always fun to watch. A lot of that, Paul, might have been down to the the, uh, the sort of banter between the two coaches when Kazi was there because I don't think Kazi uh, ever took to uh, people from the, the uh, land of the long people white cloud. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's he didn't like human beings. Yeah. Yeah. He never took to, to them Oh yes, it was. Case. Yeah, there yeah. was there was the hatred, yes. the little bit of hate yeah. that you could see between them. Because so. he's such a charming person that it's very hard to you know, <laughs> believe that. Really. Well, what other games stand out? Is there well, other Steve, games stand I'm, out? I'm like a kid in a candy store. There's so many exciting games, but I think round two, um, I'm quite interested to see Gold Coast versus North Queensland Fury, because it's so early in the season. Two new teams. Gold Coast first ever home game. Right. I think that could be. Um, interesting to see how well those two have, have gelled and who, who might gel quicker out of the two new teams. So mm-hmm. I'd be keen to watch that one. Aiden? I'm really looking forward to seeing uh, Sydney host North Queensland, probably at SCG. Right. Um, so that'll be Robbie Fowler's uh, you know, uh, appearance first Sydney, ever game yeah. in Sydney. I also fancy uh, seeing uh, Gold Coast playing Sydney as well because you'll have Carol Kissel on one side, the, the Czech international, and Jason Kalina on the other. I think that'll be a terrific game to watch mm-hmm. um, and look I mean I think as, as the guys have said I think that the Queensland derbies are really starting to sort of take hold and the imagination starting to uh, get ramped up a little bit with these games but you, you, you've all three had a look at the, the fixture list um, looking at the fixture list will Melbourne be the team that everyone has to beat Paul yeah uh, it does sound like we've got a bit of a man crush on Gold Coast United uh, yeah. at the moment but yeah Melbourne if you look at uh, some of their some of their opening games it looks like they've got an easy start to the yep. season and, and what could happen is you see them doing as they did in, in season two getting off to a massive tear of wins right. building up a, you know a few points and, and I, I just don't know maybe with the ten teams you, you might not see teams running away with a league like, like that anymore just because there's going to be more games and, and, and different teams playing different tactics you know I think a lot of the times before teams knew how to play the other seven teams in the league uh, it might not be easy to scout and, and manage that with, with ec- the extra teams in there who, but are, the, who are the teams that will struggle then? 
Wellington. Yeah. No, no Shane Smeltz at Wellington. But the sign of replacement. Yeah. He's done well in England. But yeah, I'm, I'm a little concerned about Wellington. I don't think Adelaide are going to have a good season either for some reason because they've lost a few players. Right. And North Queensland Fury worry me a bit. So those three, I think, might struggle. I agree. I'm a little worried about Central Coast Mariners as well. I think they're a club that's probably looking uh, to be in a little bit of a transition in terms of the types of players. But just going back to the uh, to the draw, I'm really looking forward to Friday, 9th of October, Melbourne Victory hosting Sydney FC in um, the uh, the A League's Super Classico, I guess you could call mm. it, at the <laughs> Etihad Stadium. We've got to get used to saying that. Yeah. Um, I think the key will be Hernandez for Melbourne Victory this season. Um, but that will be an absolute beauty um, and. It's in October, so the pitch will be in good shape. Uh, Friday night, you can't beat it. It'll be a huge game. Yeah, the one thing I would worry about is that one of the one of the three new teams that have come in, that they would get hammered at the start, like a, a six-nil victory or a six-one victory or even a seven-one. Like that would shock not 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 just the the local area, but it would shock the rest of the the league. You know, you can't have a, a new league and new teams coming in and getting smashed the first week or the second week that they come in but I mean historically Carl we haven't really seen that in this league you've, you've rarely seen because it's such a small and, and condensed league we've rarely seen massive differences mm. particularly with the salary cap so I, I can't see that happening but I think Fury may struggle a little bit in the first season before we uh, take a break, Paul, um, you had some uh, good news from uh, from people uh, not alone listening to us, but uh, playing us in strange places. Yeah, no, it's uh, really good. We're now we're now on iTunes, so uh, if you want to listen to the podcast through iTunes, you can uh, pick us up there and download us and subscribe us, and uh, you'll go straight into your inbox every week, and you can listen to uh, all of our inane chatterings. I kind of feel like it's a bit like, well, if you're listening to us, we don't need to plug it to you because you already know about us but go out and tell your friends yeah. uh, you can also listen to the first show the first listen of the show will be on uh, sport247.com.au 5pm on Thursdays drive time always drive wanted time. to say that <laughs> Okay, we'll take a quick break. There's Big Wednesday. Thank God it's Friday, but nothing beats Super Saturday. Join the team here at Sport 24-7 every Saturday for a huge day of fun and entertainment. Wet your line with Dave Butfield and Hooked on Fishing. Talking league tackles the big issues in the game. Get behind the wheel with me, Joel Helms, and fans of the round ball game can kick a goal with 442 Insider and World Football Watch. It's Super Saturday every Saturday at Sport 24-7. Don't miss the new issue of 442. Australia's number one football magazine. This month, we chat exclusively with Mark Schwarzer, Australia's first choice keeper about life at Fulham and why he's not taking World Cup qualification for granted. We go one-on-one with Socceroos assistant coach Graham Arnold in a remarkably candid interview about where we came up short at the Asian Cup and the Olympics and we ask overseas fans what they think of their Aussie players. Exclusive interviews with Kaka, Arshavan and a look into Boca Juniors youth system rounds off another issue no football fans should be without. On sale at all good news agents or head to au.442.com to subscribe and to get it delivered to your door. If it's in the game, it's in 442. Attention all sporting memorabilia collectors. If you're looking for top quality, authentic memorabilia to add to your collection or as a personal or corporate gift, memorabiliaonline.com.au is your answer. Be it cricket, Aussie rules, legal union, horse 
racing, boxing, motorsports, in fact, most popular sports. Go to memorabiliaonline.com.au and have a browse around. All products are guaranteed authentic with prices to suit all budgets. Memorabiliaonline.com.au The latest on the world game on Sport 24-7. This is 442 Insider. Okay, welcome back. Some of the uh, people who listen to us, uh, the, the, the iPod or on the internet or whatever, they, they send in uh, different questions every week. And one of the questions that came up was, outside of the uh, Premier League, uh, all of you guys have to tell us, who do you think is the most valuable Aussie um, in their team at the moment? Yeah, it's an interesting question, actually, because obviously we know uh, by having Fox Sports and uh, all the other TV that we see, we, we get to see a lot of the guys in the Premier League and we know how valuable yep. they are to, the, to their sides. But um, some, of the, some of the Australian guys outside of the Premier League yeah, are outside. playing really, really well. Um, I'd, I'd say the argument for Michael Petkovic at uh, Sivaspor in, in Turkey... They're going great guns. Uh, they're, they're leading the league. I think it's quite tight up there at the top. They're only leading by about one or two points. But but to be the goalkeeper in, yeah, in, right. in, a, in a team that's leading a division anywhere, you, you've got to be playing well. So I think there's an argument that he's got to be, you know, very high up there as uh, the most valuable Aussie. Would he be? Would he be chasing uh, Mark Schwarzer for number two position now? Yeah, you'd, you'd have to say so. He'd have to be yeah. in the argument, without a doubt, playing at that level. I mean, I know the Turkish league isn't um, mm. particularly high in the FIFA rankings, uh, but look, if he's consistently playing well and leading your team to a title, sure. I think you've got to be in, in consideration. Yeah, good choice, good choice, Michael Petrovic, Trevor. Um, Aidan and I were discussing this earlier. We think perhaps uh, Joel Porter at Hartlepool, who uh, had a great season there. I mean, Hartlepool finished 19th. If we're talking about who was the most valuable to their team, um, Hartlepool finished 19th out of 24. They were only one point away from uh, getting relegated. And Joel scored 18 of their league goals, 23 in all comp. The nearest goal scorer to him was six. So, I mean, you know, he scored, you know, mm. the lion's share of that team's goals. You take 18 goals out of that team and they would have got relegated quite easily. Mm, Hartlepool, I remember them. Uh, actually, one of my very good friends in England uh, who hosts uh, a lot of the sports programmes on Sky, Jeff Stelling, oh, is, oh, uh, comes Jeff. from Hartlepool. Yeah, uh, he comes of. from Hartlepool and I worked with uh, Jeff and that's all he ever talked about was, was Hartlepool. I didn't even know where it was. What about you, Aidan? You've well, been quiet. Uh, no, I, I, was, I, I totally agree with what uh, Trevor was saying about Joel Porter. He's, mm. I was listening to a, a radio interview on Radio Hartlepool. So any Hartlepool fans <laughs> out there on the iPod at the moment, you'll know what we're talking about. He is considered a god in Hartlepool. And I think that's, that's something you can put on a T-shirt. <laughs> I'm a god in Hartlepool. Yeah. He, they absolutely love him. They, he's a legend at the club. He's been there six years. Mm. Um, I mean, he's come from basically no. Nowhere. He came from the NSL. Um, in fact, I recall re- uh, uh, interviewing him one day and he was working in a courtroom at the time as a court sort of uh, transcriber or yeah, something. Yeah. Oh. And then he's become a legend at Hartlepool. So, um, yeah, yeah, I think he's probably had the biggest impact outside of the Premier League in England. Yeah, has, 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 has everyone heard about the, uh, how Hartlepool get their monkey hangers nickname? Have you heard of this before? No, no, do, no. do tell us. Go on. I'm about to. Well, Harleypool are known as the monkey hangers. And uh, I honestly haven't made this up. Is this There's clean, a reason is it? Is yeah, no, clean? it is. It is, it is. Um, well, 
a little bit sketchy on the details. It's not 100% confirmed, but so the myth goes that um, many, many years ago in Hartlepool, um, a ship, I think a, like a shipwrecked ship, if you like, right. uh, crashed into Hartlepool. Um, and on board was, um, was a monkey. And the people of Hartlepool had never seen a monkey before. And they, <laughs> they suspected it to be a French spy. So, <laughs> suspecting that that was the case, they hung the monkey. And ever since then, they've been known as the monkey hangers. Mm. Wow. Uh, if, if Hartlepool, is there a zoo in Hartlepool? <laughs> So is the argument the if, um, if a team beats Hartlepool by about four or five goals, are they spanking the monkey? <laughs> <laughs> Bad moving, moving swiftly on. Yes, um, seriously, let's come back to uh, th- other players I think outside. Also, I was just going to mention a player who, who not many people know of is Alex Jurich, who, who's been in, in Asia for, for quite a few years. He's done incredibly well in, in Singapore. In fact, he's now playing for the Singapore national team, I believe. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, he, his impact has been absolutely incredible as a striker, big, tall striker. He's still playing at 37. Right. Um, and I think when it comes to impact in Singapore, you would have to say Alex Jurich, as an Australian, has done incredibly well. Yeah, I think also you need to mention Scott McDonald. He's doing... Oh, he's yes, been, yes. You take away the performances for the Socceroos where he's yet to mm. kind of make a name for himself. Um, you look at what he's been doing for mm. Celtic over the last couple of years. And in the Champions League as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and scored another couple of great goals right. on the weekend yeah. against Aberdeen. Yeah. And I think Gordon Strachan held it as like one of the best striking performances he'd, he'd mm. seen in a long time. So I think he definitely has to be near the top of the pile for, for, for what yeah. he's done for, for, yeah, for one club. Of, he actually is one of the best goal poachers since Jimmy Greaves, I would think. Mm-hmm. Greaves, he was always hanging around the six-yard box. You put Scott McDonald there and he, he'll sniff out a goal for you or two mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. You know? uh, Scott Chipperfield as well oh, right, yeah. in Switzerland in Switzerland yeah. he's doing, doing he's really well doing for himself well. so he's got a hat trick didn't he a few weeks back yeah. So. yeah okay so we've mentioned Scott McDonald in Celtic Joel Porter at Hartlepool uh, with the Monkeys uh, Michael Petrovich in, uh, you mentioned that Paul uh, Scott Chipperfield anyone else I think Harry's done quite well in Galatasaray oh, yeah. as well we've yeah. got to remember his contribution to Gala's performance this year, I think, has been reasonably good. Mm. Um, I can't think of anyone else. I've just yeah. off the top of my head about these overseas. It'd be really good if a magazine had done a big feature on what overseas fans think of their players, which is exactly oh, yeah. what we've done for the issue that's out this week. We've just mm. gone and asked all of um, you know the fans of you know Galatasaray and, right. and, and Newcastle and Celtic what they think of their Australian players and it's really interesting what came out some really mixed reviews but they certainly didn't hold back on what they thought of the disappointing players so who's on the cover this uh, month of the uh, magazine uh, Mark Schwarzer oh well yeah, yes. who as you got to do look out for Mark Schwarzer and you'll have all the info inside in the magazine that's the one that's out on Wednesday so yeah all try right. and pick that up and uh, yeah there's a good interview with Mark and, uh, and great Graham Arnold oh, as yes. well is another interview that we've managed to um, to nail down. Went for a coffee with him, a coffee with him in North Sydney. Um, I had to pay for both the coffees, despite um, him being the assistant coach and me being a journalist. But it's fine <laughs> because I got <laughs> I got the interview. What and coffee does he like? Uh, uh, he's a cat, skinny cat, skinny oh, cat. Skinny, really? Can I say no comment at this stage? Yeah, yeah. I wasn't um, going to ask you. Right, actually, okay. I'll be honest. Let, let's move on. We're getting towards the end of the show. A um, couple of big games coming up this weekend. I 
suppose you can't get uh, bigger than uh, Arsenal, Chelsea, and uh, it's it's in a very dangerous situation for some teams, especially Middlesbrough, Newcastle, Hull, Sunderland down at the bottom. I think West Brom are gone, but uh, when you look at the uh, the list, uh, West Ham United at home uh, to Liverpool, Trevor. Yeah, Liverpool win that. Um, I don't think. <laughs> <laughs> you expected me to say something else. Um, I was expecting you to stick with your hammers. Something, some point I uh, heard come up earlier this week is that it's a relegation battle. Yeah, and at the end of the season, normally the teams down the bottom struggling hit almost you know Champions League form. Right, they win a whole load of games, and it's you know they can beat the top teams and what have you. This season, it's not been like that at all. It's right. genuinely who's the poorest of the poor. Mm. No one can seem to string some results together. Mm. The, the most important game this weekend, outside of the West Ham, Liverpool, with all due respects to them, and Arsenal and Chelsea, has got to be the North East derby between Newcastle and Middlesbrough. I actually think that whoever loses that game, Newcastle and Middlesbrough, will go down. Yeah, neither side is showing much fight uh, at mm. the moment, uh, especially Newcastle. They just look uh, adrift at the moment, and, and Shearer looks uh, in a lot of trouble. So I think you're yeah. right. If if it's a draw, then it's anyone's it's anyone's it, game. It'll be an still, ugly game as well. It, yeah. This this will be this this will be not one for the purists. Yeah, but this is your part of the country. This is your part of the world. Yes, that's right, yeah. Geordie Land. But yeah. uh, no, this will be a desperate ninety minutes of football. Um, mm. Probably one goal in it, I'd say. Yeah, the yeah. the uh, the two other games I suppose that um, will have an interest on it West Brom against Wigan Athletic Hull City at home against Stoke City um, Hull have to win um, West Brom I actually believe West Brom are gone yeah. but um, Hull City against Stoke and Middlesbrough uh, Middlesbrough and uh, Newcastle um, they're the games I think that going to decide who goes up and who stays yeah and also we've got the big clash uh, north of the border in Scotland between That's Rangers right. and Celtic mm-hmm. it always seems to come down to, to those two teams at the end of the season and I think they're both fighting out uh, again at the top what is it one point between them at the moment yeah wow it's tight yeah. so, and of course you can't forget the Alloa versus Breakin match the Scottish second uh, of division of course it's always, yeah. a, always a good one it's a huge game always try and find a dodgy stream on the internet to try and find that one <laughs> All right, we just uh, mentioned Blackburn Rovers, Portsmouth, Bolton Wanderers against Sunderland, Everton against Tottenham and Fulham against Aston Villa. And we've mentioned all the others. Thank you, gentlemen, for another fantastic uh, hour of uh, Inside 442. We hope you've enjoyed the programme. We'll see you all again next week.